Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So for the next uh, three weeks, we're going to deal with this question. Uh, What do you do when there's nothing you can do? And uh, some of you might think, well, that's not applicable to me and... I haven't been in that situation yet, but you will, particularly if, if, if you're a bit younger. I had to break it to you, but I, I went, and I get to say a couple of years back now, which is really cool. A couple of years back, I had a third life crisis. Uh, I, I did. I had, oh, I, the other thing I call it is 30-itis. And if you haven't experienced it yet, I, I, I got 30-itis. And 30-itis is the syndrome that happens where you come to a realization that Uh, You have to start making decisions in life, but more importantly, things happen to you in life that you can't do anything about. I mean, when I was 23, 24, if I I didn't like what was happening here, I'd I'd go to London. Right, Jess? (laughs) But you know how it goes. You know how you think some of you are in that space. If if this job doesn't work, I go here. If this doesn't happen, I study this, I study that. 30-itis starts to creep in. And suddenly you start to realize that there are times and there are seasons and they will happen. Some people in this room know this. The things will come into your life that no matter what you do, there are options on the table, but they are all bad. And that no matter which path you take, you start asking yourself the question, what do I do when there's nothing I can do? So what do we do with that what do you do when you find yourself in a set of circumstances there are problems that you can solve but there are some unsolvable problems there are tensions you can solve but unsolvable tensions and it could be in a whole range of different areas it could be a relationship maybe a a marriage breaks down or 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 you you lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend and it changes you Uh, maybe for some of you it's it's physical there's it's not something that that kills you but but Something that happens to you that you know will change the way that you live for the rest of your life. Some of you have already journeyed through that. Maybe it's financially. Maybe some of you have lost a business or some of you have lost a house or some of you have lost the life savings and the way that you're going to live from this point onwards can't be changed. Maybe it's something to do with school or uni or marks. Maybe you failed that fourth medical exam and you know that's it. That's the last one. And even harder... Even harder, and this is, who, this is who I'm praying for tonight. Maybe for some of you tonight, something has come into your life that you didn't even ask for. And it's totally changed the way that you look at your future. And, and you, you stare that thing in the face and you say, my future is never going to be what I dreamed it to be. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Is the question... If that's you, then you're having uh, what we're going to call a meanwhile moment. A meanwhile moment is a moment where this is something I can't fix. It's something I can't, ch- I can't change. And, and the question underneath that is, uh, how do we respond to this? Because at one end of the spectrum, um, people can just try and run. Uh, they can try and run from the relationship. They can try and run from their family. They can try and run from their kids. Um, they, uh, the other end of the spectrum is that people can get angry. First and foremost, they get angry maybe at the person that's hurt you or done this to you. Maybe you get angry at the situation. But even worse, you get angry at God. And what I want to say to you tonight is that when you look into your future and you see this... Um, 
it gets tough and it's even harder for Christians, ironically. It's harder for Christians because some of you might have experienced this, but you go through this really tough thing that's entered into your life. You're having a meanwhile moment and you have to do life amongst other Christians. And you've got to do life with people that, you know, you go to small group and, and you're battling this thing deep within you and, and suddenly they're telling the story at home group of how, I don't know, that like last week that they lost their keys and they prayed to the Lord that they would find their keys and they found their keys and oh my goodness, God is good. And you're like, shh, shh, <laughs> just shush. And you can't help but resenting him through all that you're going through. Just You've got no idea. <laughs> you've got no idea. And at worst, you get resentful because you're like, I don't want to talk to you. Or even worse, you go, I don't ever want to be in your small group anymore. <laughs> and so here's, here's the result. In the midst of those meanwhile moments... Uh, we can, it can be easy to conclude that we will never be happy again. But here's, here's what I want to speak into tonight. And, and here's what I want to bring all of you who are in that space tonight and who, who get what I'm talking about at a, at a deep level. And you're saying, you're talking this to me, Sam. I'm in a mean, meanwhile moment. I'm in a season of life and I don't like it and there's no end in sight and there's no solution and there's no resolution to the tension that I'm feeling. And you're thinking, does God even care? Does God even know? Does God even answer my prayers in all of this? And here's what I want you to know. What I absolutely want you to get is that God is not angry. He's not absent. And he's not apathetic. Because let's be honest, when you're in these moments, it's easy to feel like that way. Hey, God, where are you and when are you and what are you? But the truth is there's absolutely no correlation. We've talked this before. There's no correlation between when life goes bad on you and God. Because the the big myth and the thing that can happen to us is that when life goes bad, God's bad, right? But the two things are totally separate. There's no correlation between the two. So what I want to talk to you about tonight is, is one of the most profound truths in Christendom. I mean, if, if, you're a, if, if you're not a Christian, if you're just checking out Christianity tonight, like first of all, we're glad you're here and you're hearing this. Uh, but also, if, if, if you're checking out Christianity and you're looking in on this, this is probably one of those messages where, like I know what you've been thinking, Christ, all Christians are crazy. You know, they're, they're the crazy types and, and you'll listen in on this message and this is the message for you. If you want to think that Christians are crazy, this is it with what I'm about to say. So you can talk behind our backs. It's fine. People can ask you at work tomorrow. Went to a church. What was it like? They're all crazy. Yes, I can understand that. Now, if, if you're a Christian tonight and you listen to this message, some of you might be bumping into this for the first time. And some of you might be inclined to think what I'm about to say is crazy in and of itself. Um, it might anger you, it might frustrate you, you're going to bump into this. But essentially what I'm talking about is this, and, and it's summed up in a coffee that I had with, uh, with a really good mate who's been at Northside, and he's just come back uh, here after spending five years overseas. And, and the, the way that he's ended up back here in Sydney is through a really horrible, horrible, messy uh, redundancy at work. Like it was just, it was just horrible. And so as we're having coffee and he's through most of it, but the pain is still there from what he's been through, he smiled at me and he said, oh, Sam, well, you know, I'm back home and, and I'm, sure, look, I, I, I'm sure I know that this is God's cheeky way of bringing me back. 
Now, it's easy to skip over that statement. But here's what he's saying, and here's the thing. He's a crazy Christian, this guy. And this is the crazy statement. This is what is, we'll hear from Paul as well. Here's the mystery question. What if you could see... What if you could see the adversity, the challenges, the things that are causing this meanwhile moment in your life as actually being a gift from God? Now, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I'm not saying that, by the way. Paul says that, the Apostle Paul. So don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. And if there's anyone that's qualified to talk about it, it's this guy, Paul. Uh, but we... We Christians, we can, we can skip over that phrase and, and yet we know that that actually can be true because we see time and time again, right from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, that there is example after example after example after example of life lived in which it seemed that God was not, not there, that he was absent, that he was angry in their lives, that he was apathetic and, and yet we know because of their stories he was at work. So if it's true for all of them, why can't it be true for us tonight when we look at this? So before we look at Paul's life, draw some principles out of that. Here's the point. My point is for, for you tonight that if you are going through this, my point is not to try and make you like your circumstances. Many of you in this place that I know I've been praying for and praying over that I know that this is a deep wrestle for you. I don't want to make light of it. I'll speak lightly so we can get through the message. But I want you to not give up hope that God is present and active and relentless in his love for you in the midst of these meanwhile moments. Because that's what we see with this guy called Paul, or the Apostle Paul as we call him in the formal Christian way. You know, Time Magazine calls this guy, Time Magazine called this guy one of the most influential people on the face of the planet. They put him just behind Jesus Christ, which was just as well, wasn't it? Because Jesus is the big guy. But, but you look at most scholars, most people would say that the Apostle Paul was as influential as Jesus in exploding Christianity around the world. In fact, when you look at the story, his story throughout uh, the book of Acts in particular, you see that it's Paul that does the lion's share of getting the church on the ground. This is a guy who left everything to follow Jesus, spends 20 years planting church after church after church around the countryside. This is a guy that's full of faith. And yet we read from this passage that he says that some sort of ailment, whatever it was, we'll talk about this in a second, struck him down. This thorn in the flesh was the way that he described it. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And here's his response to this meanwhile moment in his life. Verse 7. He says, To keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Really weird, obscure line to say. <laughs> in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given this gift. Now this little phrase, in order to use a little Greek on you, um, there's one little Greek word that lets us know that this is a purpose statement. Paul is saying there is purpose behind this gift. It's the way that he talks about the word gift. In fact, the way that he talks about the word gift is almost like a Christmas gift. So he's saying, God has, thank you very much for this, Lord. Uh, God has given me this Christmas gift. I know that's not hermeneutically appropriate because no such thing as Christmas in his day, but you get the point. Um, 
God has given me this Christmas gift, a thorn in the flesh from Satan to torment me. It literally meant bashing me up uh, around the head with fists. (laughs) So thank you, Lord, for this gift that you've given me that bashes me around the head each and every single day. What a way to think. (laughs) Told you Christians are crazy. To keep me from becoming conceited. Now, the translators have struggled with this phrase. Uh, he sent me a, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. Some people think that somehow literally Satan did it. You know, like the little devil on your shoulder. Kind of, um, other, other people said, you know, Satan did it, but God used it. Look, we don't know if it's a figure of speech. But what we know to be absolutely clear is that the Apostle Paul saw this thorn as something from God and he was thankful for it. Some thought it was depression. Some thought it was headache. Some thought it was malaria because of the area that he was travelled in. And if you, if you read the book of Acts, you can see why some would think that Paul was depressed in this moment. Here's the thing. We don't know what it is. And as a side note, aren't you glad we don't know what it is? Because it means for every single one of us tonight, we can read our stories into this. I don't know what the thorn in the flesh is for you, but I know that there are people that can relate to what he is saying. What Paul is saying here is, we don't know what it is, but there is something painful and something debilitating in my life. And it keeps hitting me. That's why in, just after verse 7, he continues to say, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times I pleaded. Now, uh, again, if you're reading the text, that it doesn't mean that he says it three times in the prayer. It's not like a magic potion. He doesn't say, take it away, take it away, take it away now. <laughs> Very, chili peppers, like that? Yeah. Gospel according to chili peppers. That's not in the notes. That was Holy Spirit, seriously. (laughs) Take it away now. Um, What it means back on track is that there must have been three seasons in his life where this thing that was beating him around the head got to him so much that he was down on his knees. He'd done his morning prayer for the church at Ephesus and everywhere else that he had that he planted. This thing keeps tormenting me. And at the end of it, he looks up to the sky and he says, Lord, get this off me. I don't know if I can preach. I don't know if I can talk. I don't even know if I can walk out of this place today if, Lord, you do not get this thing out of my life. Anyone ever felt like that? I've had enough. Do something. He pleads three times throughout his life to do this. And God says, no. What do we do with that? I mean, the, the, guy, gets, the guy gets an audience from God. Like he hears from God. Most of us just want to hear from God to be reassured. He hears from God and the answer's No. So here's the question. What what could happen if we that believe God can do all things, and I know that there's many of us in this place that believe that tonight, 
God's the creator of the world and he can do all things. Um, what if we dared to believe that God can do all things and God can change your circumstance and God can do a miracle in your life and when you plead for him to do something in that, he's actually said no. What do we do with that? A couple of practical things I think that we see from this. Here's the first one. I'm sure I've shared this with you, you guys before. But learning to receive the love behind his no is as significant as receiving his yes. I don't think we learn this enough in the church. I think that a lot of preachers will preach, just believe in the Lord and all these things will come true to you. But that's not how the God of this Bible seems to work. I mean, you know the place in Psalm 3 where it says, he's your shield. He's your shield. What it means that if he's your shield is that 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 whatever you are going through, whatever is debilitating you, whatever is getting you down, whatever you want to shrug off, whatever that thing is, as painful as it is in that moment, if he is your shield, that thing he is actually using and is better than something worse in your life. <laughs> He's actually using the pain of that thing to save you from something worse. Now, here's how the principle works. You know, the little three-year-old, my little one's up in the, in the family room. They, they want to do their own thing. Daddy, can I run across the road? No. And at that moment, you're cramping their style. When they grow up, they start lying to you and you ground them and you don't let them out of the house and they think that their life is over. I'm just waiting for that one. <laughs> We've all been there. You think, that you think your life is over because your parents grounded you, but if we nipped in the bud this lying tendency, that no is actually saving us from something that is far worse, a pathological adult. See how it works? Could we dare to believe that there is something to be learned by receiving the love of his no rather than just chasing the yes? So many of us chase the yes. Lord, I want this. Lord, I'm praying for this. Lord, rid me of this. Where's my yes? Learn to receive his no. Here's the second thing. In the Christian life, and I say the Christian life because it's not normal life, in the Christian life, weakness is not the opposite of strength. In fact, it's its companion. You, you think about it. Paul says here, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for, here it is, my power is made perfect in weakness. In the Christian experience, strength and weakness are always together. They are never apart. Strength and weakness are like two feet. If you've just got strength, it's your left foot, and you keep trying to do strength, you're going to fall over. But in the Christian life, the two have to be next to each other, from weakness to strength, to weakness to strength, to weakness to strength. See, the two happen. Same, it's, it's this beautiful dynamic. As you grow stronger, you come to know your fallibility in the face of an almighty God and you move back to weakness. And then he lifts you up and he restores you by his spirit again. And you become strong and then you understand your fallibility. But in the process, you become richer and deeper and more glorious and more powerful. Far more practically, you know exactly where this happens. They're very spiritual places, if you ever want to go to them. Um, they're called the gym. And you see it. You see it when you see all sorts of people there doing the bicep curls. And when you get onto your third set of 12 reps, when you start getting to the end of that and you're supposed to be doing 12, you get to 7 and 8 doesn't seem possible. And it feels in that moment that you are, what? Getting weaker? Are you getting weaker? 
No, you're getting stronger. At the gym, strength is made perfect in weakness. So too with Christian growth. So you have to understand that these moments that move us to points of weakness in our life doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that there are opportunities to grow and then the methods by which God grows us. And so here we have it. God says to Paul, I haven't forgotten you. You're still right in the center of my will. But Paul, the answer to the question, will you remove this adversity, Lord? Will you get this away from me? Will you change my circumstance? Paulie, the answer is no. And why? Because you will be more powerful if you meet my power through your weakness. I don't know about you. I'm going to learn that lesson. (laughs) I want to learn that lesson when I see this guy's life, right? Proof in the pudding. (laughs) Sort of look at this. God says to me through this word, what do you ever do? (laughs) You're you're Mr. Strongbeard. Look at this guy. He's boasting in his weakness and he changed the world. Go try that in the corporate world. See how you go. Anyway, (laughs) um, last one tonight. Every thorn, and let's call that a circumstance to use proper language, um, every thorn comes with a message. So um, what Paul does is he shows us how to deal with the thorns here in this passage. Every thorn comes with a message. Verse 7, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, here's what happened. Let me show you the trick. It's a trick. No, it's not a trick. It's not a trick. There's no tricks in Christianity. Technique. Let me show you the technique of what's happening in here. First of all, he says that um, the the thorn, uh, there is a thorn and then there is a message from Satan in all of this. So here's what's really important to understand in all of this is that Paul is saying that thorns, bad things, bad circumstances come into your life and they're accompanied by two different types of message. The first message that you'll get, it'll come, it'll happen if you haven't had it already, is that you'll get a message from Satan. He attaches it to the email. You get the thorn and then you get the email attachment. 3.5 megabytes worth of nastiness. (laughs) But that's what happens. A message gets attached to it. And, and the message will go like this, that uh, you go and you, you have that breakdown of a relationship and that thorn that comes into your life and it causes you pain. The breakdown of relationship is the thorn. The message from Satan, however, is this. It's all you. You're a failure. Men can't be trusted. Women can't be trusted. See how it works? You ever heard these sorts of messages? <laughs> You'll always be single. That's, I've heard them. I've got them. They're in my um, deleted box. Because there there's another message that always comes. The thorn is always the same. Breakdown in relationship. But in comes always the generic message from God. My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you've got to work out what that could mean for you. But one of the ways that it could mean practically when a relationship breaks down is to say... the relationship is not all that makes you anything in life this pain will not be forever you fill in the blanks see how it works Paul shows us how to deal with the thorns the thorns in and of themselves have no power unless you choose 
what you're going to listen to. And so you have to look at this problem, this thorn that comes into your life and say, there are two messages, one from that guy, one from that guy. And my discouragement or my strengthening will totally depend on which message I listen to. Does that make sense? So as we finish up tonight, it, it brings us to this and... It's, it's an interesting and it's an, it's an uncomfortable idea. So listen carefully. If, if you believe, like I said, many of us do, if you believe that God can change your financial situation or your relationship situation or your health situation or whatever that thorn might be, if you believe that God is big enough to do that, and yet are daring enough to believe that there may well be moments in your life where he just simply says no, then you now have the opportunity to receive that thing as a promise with purpose. The promise is really clear and known. His grace will be sufficient for you. His strength will be made perfect in that weakness. The purpose of all of this? Don't know. And some of you are saying, well, how, how can I know what the purpose is? You have to come back next week. That's what we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> but I just want you to get this tonight, that if you could dare to believe that God can, will and does change people's circumstances and at the click of his fingers, he could take this thing from you, and yet it may simply be a no in your life, then you have opened yourself up to receive from him a deep gift. And now we know how Paul could say, thank you for the Christmas gift. <laughs> And like Paul, we can become the sort of people that instead of fighting and instead of kicking, or at worst, instead of sulking around the place, we can be the sort of people that move through life victorious, cutting through it like a hot knife through butter. Loaded even more with the knowledge that your saviour and my saviour, Jesus Christ, went through exactly the same thing. He pleaded, he didn't... He didn't he didn't do the whole red hot chili peppers thing. He didn't do the three times. He just did it once in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it be your will, remember? Take this thing from me. Get it out of here. And God says, son, I hear you, but the answer's no. Why? Because the world has got to see all these other Christians are going to come after you. They're going to follow you. They're going to need to look at someone and they've got to see in your life, Jesus, that when you move into that position of weakness, ultimately on the cross, that my power, resurrection power, is made perfect through that. So if you hear anything tonight and you are hurting and you are struggling and you are wrestling, know that I have prayed for you like crazy this week. Maybe if anything out of all of this, Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter. I just want you to see tonight that at least our Savior had the gumption to swallow his own medicine. That he gets what you're going through. He gets the deep wrestle and the mystery of saying, when's this God going to turn up and fix this? And if you stay around here long enough, you're going to meet a whole bunch of amazing people who have already lived this. There are people in this church, there are people sitting next to you right now that you don't even know. Because you don't know the story yet. You can get to know them over dinner. But people who are sitting next to you who have said, I never asked for this. I didn't want this. It was horrible at the time. I was within, within an inch of thinking that I'm able to cope from this anymore. But you know what? If I look back on it, I wouldn't give it up for anything. 
because I found a strength and a weakness. And he sustained me through that. And he moved me through that. And he'll move you through that too, if you'll just hold on. If you'll just be willing to consider this tonight, would you be willing to consider? Would you be willing to consider to receive these thorns that are placed into our lives as a gift from him? A gift to grow you, a gift to make you glorious. It's an opportunity that is off the scale for many people around the world because it just doesn't make sense to anyone. This is craziness. But you will discover and you will find, you will find that his grace is sufficient for you. That his power is made perfect in weakness. There will be a strength about you. There will be a glory about you. I say it because I haven't read it here. I say that because I've watched it here. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.